This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people. Hey, hey, hey. This is another Monday. Hope you are well. I am well. This is a holiday. It is a holiday, I have to admit. It didn't really feel like one to me today, okay? This is why. I didn't know what to do with myself today. (laughs) I didn't know for sure what I wanted to do today, okay? I woke up early. Um, My dog has me on a new schedule. I woke up early so that I could put my Comey out, my dog, both my dogs. Can't forget about my big boy. Handled that, but then I was like, "Okay, I'm, I, I'm not sure what I want to do today. I, I was, I wanted to go back to sleep. I wanted to have breakfast. I just wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So then I decided, well, let me order me some breakfast. I'll have me some breakfast delivered. And I went to one of my favorite uh, apps that I've been using and I pulled up some some choices and some menus and what did I do that for? Because the selections brought back memories. Made me start thinking of my hubby. My hubby, hubby, hubby. And how we would go to breakfast. On a day like this, we would get up. It was a holiday. He loved his three-day weekends. (laughs) And we'd go get breakfast, or I would cook something special. And that just made me feel a little sad. Made me feel a little sad. Brought a tear to my eye. But then, you know what? I remembered that I had to go and feed the dogs. I ended up talking to a next-door neighbor outside, and we started talking about the goodness of the Lord. My daughter called, and we got to talking about any and everything like we always do. (laughs) And I was able to recover. I was able to recover. I had my moment, but I realized how much of a blessing it is when you have responsibilities You know, my dogs rely on me. They depend upon me. I have a neighbor who's younger than me who's growing in the things of the Lord, and I was doing my best to be an encouragement to him. And then my wonderful daughter who loves me, and she will track me down. 
she will track me down if she can't find me. Well, she called <laughs> while I was outside, <laughs> come back in the house and see that I missed her call. So it's a blessing to have somebody that you love and somebody that loves you in your life. Now, speaking of that, speaking of that, my special guest, Chanel Nicole, who just happens to be my daughter, is back. She's back with us tonight, and she is going to um, hopefully, you know, and we leave that up to the Lord. I say hopefully because I'm not putting a timer on her, but we're leaving it up to the Lord if this is going to complete her testimony tonight or if it's just going to be a part of it. I actually don't know, people. you got to wait and see just like I have to wait and see. Okay? So with no further ado, hey, daughter, are you there? I'm here. Hey, Mama, how you doing? <laughs> I'm pretty good, dear. I'm pretty good. Did you, how'd you like that intro? How'd you like that? It was good. It was pretty good. I like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I thought you was going to laugh when I told him how you would track me down. I was I laughing silently. <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I will should, track I, you down. Yes, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think about it, of course, until the moment. I was like, I should have brought the answer machine in here so I could play a couple of your um, messages when you can't find me. Like, Mama! <laughs> Where you at, Mama? Because I will track you down. <laughs> it keeps me smiling, keeps me on my toes. I know you love me, and I love you too. So I was looking at the notes to see where we left off at last week. And uh, according to my memory, you had just mentioned uh, the importance of breaking generational curses, because you, re, you we started in your childhood and we worked ourselves up to the fact that we brought ourselves to the point that the Lord gifted you. I love the way that you use the way that you phrased that. The Lord gifted you with uh, your new daddy, which was my Chris, your daddy. But you said something along the lines that, in spite of that. You ended up in a marriage that that had very similar issues to your blood daddy and my first marriage. And so you were saying that if that's why it's so important, even though because you had accepted the Lord, I think we had talked about yes, how you had, you you accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior, but how important it is if you don't. Break those generational curses. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does, and it's so true. You have you have to you have to address those issues because otherwise they'll continue to be issues. It'll mm-hmm. it'll it'll work out in your job, your everyday life, in your relationships with people, your relationships with friends, a potential relationship to turn into a husband. It it'll impact everything because 
you really don't know who you are until you confront your past. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place for us to um to pick up unless you had another, you know, a lead in that you wanted to 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 go to. I just I just wanted to like recap where we were last week and then I'm just giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. If there's one thing I wish um that was different about my circumstances that I wish I would have known who I was. I wish I would have known who I was in Christ a lot. I had a relationship with him and I was praying continually, continually throughout this. I was even going to church at different moments here and there. I had found a local church that I, I enjoyed going to, to go visit. Um, and so I was, I, I would read my Bible and so I was still, I was a believer, but I wasn't rooted. I wasn't rooted completely, and had I been completely rooted, maybe my hardship wouldn't have been as bad as it got. Mm-hmm. So I think I started to tell some of the things and how basically I was in a I was in a verbally abusive relationship. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of red flags beforehand, but the way things played out, it kind of. Um, just, it was like, oh, as the time went on, the situation got worse, and I just got deeper into the relationship, and then things just continued to get worse, so there were red flags. I, I said that he would cuss people out, and it wasn't like minor cuss words. There's some people that cuss, and it's kind of part of their language, but it's not offensive. It's not, a, it doesn't trigger you or hit your heart, you know, and then there's other people that, that cuss, and it's, it's offensive and rude. It's aggressive in nature. And so, and that's how, how he was. And I have to say too, that he also came from generational curses. He also had generational curses throughout his past as well that he had not dealt with either. Mm -hmm. So you have Mm -hmm. two broken people trying to come together as one. Mm -hmm. One, one of them is a little bit stronger in the Lord and the other one is not. So it's like, Mm -hmm. Um, well, he didn't even know the Lord at all, if I remember right, correct? At that time. Well, I asked him. I asked him if he had, if he had a relationship with the Lord, and he got mad. He got mad at me for asking. He got wow. offended, and um, and it was, and he did it in a way where he was offended because I asked him because I should already know the answer type of thing. Like, of course, I have a relationship with the Lord type of thing, but he was mad. And that and that was a red flag on its own. If you have a relationship with the Lord, why are you mad if somebody's asking you if you know the Lord, if you have a relationship with the Lord? That that shouldn't be your first response. You know, your first response response should be, yes, I do. I love the Lord because of this or I gave my life to the Lord when I was this age or, you know, it should open the door for conversation. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of things that weren't open for conversation. It, everything was limited. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was one of the first red flags. And then, like I said before, there was a period of that we did have peace, that we had a good relationship. I really did fall in love with him. And I believe that he fell in love with me, too. But it, it was up to the point of what he knew what love is. And so one of our first conflicts was, I remember we were just having normal conversation 
and I was telling him that I trusted him. And he, his response to me was, I don't know why. You shouldn't trust me. And see, when people, people say this all the time, they say when somebody shows you who they are, they tell you who they are, that you should believe them. Mm. You really should. You oh, really my should. goodness. I'm, I'm sorry, honey. I wasn't even looking at the cues. I was just all into this. People, <laughs> we'll be back after the break. Hold that thought, daughter. <laughs> Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home-based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. Thank God I am free. I Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com, the show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, we're going to get right back to it. I am drinking my tea. I'm enjoying my hibiscus and green tea tonight. My guest, Chanel, what kind of tea do you have tonight? I have lemon ginger tea. Mm. Okay, so we're doing the tea thing. I hope you've got your beverage. We are talking, uh, We are. I am listening as Chanel is sharing Uh, more of her personal testimony so I'm going to give it right back to her so we can so we can just 
get into this. You had moments, a moment of, of peace or, or, or a good times, if you will, um, but you had you had basically fallen for him, and you told yeah. him that you trusted him, I believe. Yes. And he said, and he, "I shouldn't trust him." And it mm-hmm. it pricked my spirit. It didn't it didn't feel right in my spirit. I was like, "Who says that? What is what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean?" Because at this point, I'm in I'm in love. I have no reason not to trust him. He hasn't done anything for me not to trust him. And so for him to verbally say that didn't sit right. And see, it opened the door for things to start start to shift. That was the beginning of the shift. And me with my invest, investigative mind um, did what I normally don't do. I went through a cell phone. His statement triggered me enough that I that I felt like I needed to go through a cell phone. And when I did, I found that he was having inappropriate conversations with other women. And this is before we're married. This is before oh. we're married. Okay, I was going to say, so this was, so this is after you're married. No, this is before you were even married. Okay. Before okay. we were even married. Okay. And so I couldn't even, when I saw it, all I could do was just cry. I couldn't even, I couldn't even pretend like I didn't see the phone or nothing, and I just cried. And he heard me crying, and he was like, well, why are you crying? And I said, well, you told me that I couldn't trust you, and it made me feel like I needed to go through your phone to find out why you would say that to me. And this is what I found. And once again, he got angry with me because now it's you shouldn't have gone through my cell phone. You should have just trusted me. But you just oh. told me I couldn't trust you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just told me I couldn't trust you. Mm-hmm. So... That was one of the first things. Um, and then another thing that caused a lot of hardship was that he lost our, his job. So after we had been together for maybe a year or so, a year and a half, maybe even less than that, he lost his job. Like I said before, we moved in together. And when he lost his job, you know, some men, that can really traumatize them. Some men will just get up and do what they have to do and handle their business. And some men can be depressed. And in our case, he started to, I felt he was depressed. He never acknowledged that, but I felt based on the way he responded after that, he, he really didn't want to do things every day. He didn't want to go out anymore. Like things t- t- slowly shifted and I started to get concerned. I started to get concerned and I was praying and I was asking the Lord, like I'm, I don't even know how to help him because I tried to do, I tried to encourage him and he was down for a long, a long period and he didn't have a job for like two years. But some of that also was his own stubbornness because he wouldn't just go and find something. I would suggest to him, you know, maybe you should just do some volunteer work, go to the YMCA, go to the Boys and Girls Club, like do something, volunteer to work with the kids to help you get your motivation back so that you can find something. This was also during, I believe, the, the, the recession we had in 2008-2009. So a lot of people were going through financial hardships at that point, but I was working. I, w- I had my main job, and then I, I also had a certainly work seven days a week. No off days. It, it, it was rare that I had an off. did that for years. And then I would, and he would just be sitting on the couch watching sports. 
And then he would still have the expectation of me to not work seven days a week, but maintain the home as well. And so during in his depression, he started drinking a lot. He started drinking heavily. He started, um, you know, smoking marijuana heavily. It, it was excessive. To the, it, 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 it was something that went from uh, once in a while or the weekend to day, multiple beers a day. And then I found myself back in basically a relationship with my blood father because my blood father was, and now I'm with somebody that is alcoholic. And that well, escalated look, back, into back, back that up, uh, back that up again, because I don't know if if it happened across the board, but I didn't understand. It's like your voice went out. You said you were back in a relationship with your blood father because, and then I didn't hear what you said. So can you repeat that? Because I'm now dating somebody that is excessively drinking alcohol, and my my blood father was an alcoholic. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And so the alcohol began to change him. And he was no longer the same person that I was with, but I also felt like he was down and you're supposed to hold it, hold it down for your man. You know, you're supposed to support him and help him, help him get back on his feet. But sometimes that can only go so far. And then that man is supposed to step up and handle their business and do what they have to do to get themselves back on their feet. And so we stayed in a relationship for for a long time, and then lies began. More lies came, just a lot hardship after hardship after hardship after hardship. We we still got married. We still eventually got married, even though he had told me that he didn't. One day we got into a fight, and he told me, I don't want to marry you. And I told him, fine. I said, you need to move then. If you don't want to marry me, that's fine. We, you need to move. I'm not going to plan anything else. We can cancel everything. That's fine with me. And I didn't. I shut down. I was like, I'm not planning anything. I'm not canceling the wedding. I'm not going to tell anybody what's going on. My family knew, my immediate family. And then outside of that, I was like, this is on you. And um, put the, put the he, responsibility back in his lap. To, you tell the you I, you tell everybody the wedding is off. Basically, when you say right. when you say this is on you, this that what that's what you're saying. Okay, right. Okay. You you tell everybody that it's over then and they, and you move out because you're not going to stay here telling me that you don't want to marry me after we've been together for we were together for almost four years at this point. Mm-hmm. And I should have took that as a sign for this is my this is my moment to exit. Uh, I I should exit. But I didn't because he came to me and he begged me. He apologized to me. He told me he would do anything to fix our relationship, that he wanted to marry me, that I was one of the best things that happened to him, that he wanted to get married. And I believed him. I believed him and we went ahead and and we went forward with the marriage. And the best thing that came out of it was our child, our daughter together. But after we had the baby, he changed. He already had issues. We already we already had our issues. But when I had the baby, I don't know what happened, but it was like a light bulb came on and he completely flipped. And then mm. it turned into I don't I don't know if I'm dealing with Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. Mm. Because he would go he would go out and I would sit there and I would say, "Lord, I don't know who's going to come home when he comes home because I know he's going to go out and he's going to go drink and he's going to hang out with his friends and I don't know who's coming back." Because if he drank heavily, and then he would come back home. He would start fights with me. Mm-hmm. He began cussing me out. 
he be- began telling me, F me in my face mm-hmm. and going off on me and telling me about how I'm not a good person and that I don't do this right. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. this saying verbal things to me that you would just degrading things that you would never say to a woman, especially your wife. Kicking, kicking me out of our bedroom. One night he got so mad at me. He kicked me out of our bedroom. Um, we had went out for the evening. My job was having a, a holiday party and I was having the time of my life. I, we, I had just had the baby. We hadn't been out in a long time and I, I love dancing. And so I was one of those women that was not afraid to get on the dance floor and just cut a little rug by myself. I didn't have to dance with anybody else. And because I had been by myself the whole night, I guess the DJ saw me and came to dance with me, like just like a stepper song, not nothing. He wasn't um, rude or being aggressive or trying to come on to me. He just offered to dance with me. And so I accepted the offer for a temporary. But after that, my husband at the time was very angry. But instead of saying he was angry at me because I danced with the DJ, it turned into I want to go home and, and now you don't want to go home and I'm upset and he, he, but he didn't want to dance with me. Yeah, he didn't, he knew I loved that. Instead of dancing with you himself, um, mm-hmm. that wasn't an option in his mind. <laughs> nope. It was not an option because he wouldn't dance with me. And so, and then that can escalate it. Now we're in the car, we're fighting, driving home, we're arguing. He's yelling at me. I'm yelling. He's cussing at me. We get to the house, we're still yelling, and then he takes it as far as he's going to lock me out of our bedroom. I hadn't even changed out of my dress for the night, and he kicked me out of our bedroom. Mm. And so I slept on the couch. I'm sleeping on the couch in my own home. We just went out. We were supposed to have a good time. It was supposed to be a date, you know, a date after having a baby, and now we're, I'm sleeping on the couch with no blanket. And then, but he would play mind games like that. And then he would come, he came down in the middle. Before the break, a minute before the break. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. He he came down in the middle of the night and was like, come back upstairs. And I'm like, nope, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're not going to come upstairs? Nope. Well, fine then. He's still mad. Instead of apologizing, I'm sorry, things went like that. Let's talk it out. He's he's, he's still mad about Mm. the circumstance. So things like this just continued, continued, and it, it it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Okay. Well, we have um, about 30 seconds here. People, I hope that you're um, listening not only with your natural ears but with your heart and with your spiritual ears because these are the types of things that the Lord wants to uh, curtail in our lives he doesn't want us to experience these type of things but we'll pick it up after the break has a tragic past shattered your future or your now don't let it this is i'm not the woman i used to be i'm free with minister diane jones and we'll be right back after these <laughs> a black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes 
dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from AuthorHouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Helping you heal. That's what we're all about, people. And I've come to learn from my own experience that um, you cannot heal, you cannot overcome, you cannot um, grow if you don't deal with, face, confess your, your own issues, your own issues. And so that's why we have uh, our special guest, Chanel. Um, she is being transparent, and she is sharing her personal testimony uh, of 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 the things that the Lord has brought her through, and um, why she loves Him. And so, my heart my heart goes out even listening, and I'm going to give it back to her so that she can pick up uh, where she left off. Um, you were saying that the last thing I heard you say was he played those kinds of mind games. We're talking about right. He would. Mm-hmm. He would play those type of mind games. And, and even if I t- tried to adjust because I would see what would anger him and I would try to adjust and say something else or say it differently or just, or even sometimes just be quiet, that wasn't good enough either. And so it was just little moments like that that continued to escalate over the years. But the 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 increase of what was happening was just it, it was becoming unbearable and one of the last um things that occurred was we got into a huge fight and I didn't even I didn't yell I stayed calm and he got in my face and to the point where he was putting his arm his hands on me um like putting his arms his hands on my arms and he was telling me no you're going to s and listen to me you're going to let, listen to me. He was in my face and he was yelling at me. And I said, just, you know, I was saying, just stop, just stop. I'm not even arguing with you back. Like, just, just stop. I had, I had gotten so upset and I had moved all of my things out of our bedroom because he was not the type of person that would, if I said, you need to get out of our room for the night, I don't want you to sleep in here. He would tell me, no, I'm not doing that. So I moved everything that I needed for myself and our child. And I put it into our guest room. And I was going to sleep in the other room because I was just 
I was fed up. I was, I was done. I was having a hard time and that angered him. He happened to come back home while I was moving things. And he was like, you're not effing moving anything in this house. And he got in my face and it escalated to the point where the police had to be called. And instead of them asking him to leave, and I'm the one who's calling the police, they had me leave my house in the middle of the night with my, my little daughter. She was just a baby at that time. And she had a fever. She was sick and they, they made me leave. And so I left and I stayed with um, my friends that were a blessing to me. God, God sent them to me because I needed them at that. And that season of my life, I was, I, I, I needed them in my life. And that's how sometimes God will open up doors and he'll send people in your life to help you. But I got in a car accident. I got in a car accident and um, I could have died. I was crushed in between two cars. And the car that was behind the car that hit me said in the police report that they couldn't even see my vehicle. That's how low and how smashed my car, my car had got smashed in the front and in the back. And when that happened, I felt like I needed to go back and try to fix my relationship. I need to go back and, and try one more time. And so th- throughout this process, I was seeking the Lord. I was fasting. I was asking the Lord for direction. I sought, sought, sought out marriage counseling. Um, he didn't want to go to marriage counseling. We went like to one or two sessions and he was like, I'm done with that. And when I, the four, when we went to the first one, I asked him, well, do you like the counselor? Like, because we can find somebody else. And he was like, yeah, he's, he's all right. He's cool. But he wouldn't say, no, I don't like that. We need to switch to a different marriage counselor. He just stopped. I'm not going anymore. I'm not going to the marriage counselor anymore. So it, it was like, what else can I do? I, I even at one point apologized to him. I didn't feel like I had done anything wrong to cause us to be where we were at that point in our marriage. But I felt he, but he did. He felt I had offended him. So I apologized to him. And I said, you know, I'm sorry for whatever it is that you feel I've done to you. But I can't, I can't do this anymore. We cannot live like this. And I even bet, I even bet. And I said, how do we fix this? What can we do to fix this? And he was like, you don't satisfy me. You don't satisfy me anymore. You're not a good wife and you don't satisfy me. He just continued on. There was no end in it. And I was like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Like how, Lord, I'm, I've done everything I know to do. Mm-hmm. And so there was just like the final straw for me. I just, I just couldn't, when he said I couldn't, I don't satisfy him anymore. And, and more things happened after that too, because it didn't just end there. And more things happened after that. And I was like, I, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I can't be with somebody like this anymore. I don't want my, my child, our child to grow up in this circumstance. I'm like, after I got in the car accident, I moved back. I moved back into our home and I, I tried, I really tried to work out our situation. And there was a short period of peace, but I remember within days of me moving back, um, he told me he felt like I was using him, that I was using him because. I needed his help because I got in a car accident. Now, mind you, I was just living with friends that I had been living with for like a month or so now. They were more than willing to help me. They didn't want me to go back to my to my home. They were like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? And I'm like, 
yes, I really feel like I need to go back. Like I, I could have died and I don't want to, I don't want to leave this earth not knowing that I didn't do everything I could to possibly fix this. And within days of him, of us being back together and trying to work out our circumstance, he told me he felt like I was using him. And I just was flabbergasted because I was, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm using you. Your own husband. You're using your husband. Right. The one that said, in sickness and health, till death do us part. You know, these are the vows that we took. He's telling me I'm using him. Mm-hmm. And so we went on. And I, and my accident was so bad. Everybody didn't even know what, what I went through. I was, I was in physical therapy for a, a couple of months because I had really bad whiplash. My shoulder was injured extremely bad. And so I was having difficulty even standing up. So if I, I still would cook dinner, I would have to put a chair in the kitchen and sit down while cooking dinner and then stand up for a little bit and sit down. And this is just to get through a dinner, cook a, 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 a minor dinner. And he would watch me. He would just watch me do that and suffer in that pain. And he wouldn't assist me. And it's hard when you get to that point and you realize that somebody, the, per, the person that you married doesn't really love you and that you're one of the worst things that can happen to you is that you could be married and feel alone at the same time. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're married and you feel alone at the same time. And so I finally just, I, I think when I went to counseling, it was more trying to work out how I was feeling. Cause that now mind you, I've been in this situation now for all these years. I'm not a person on the outside looking in. Somebody on the outside looking in, if they knew what was going on, they could have could have seen easily. Okay, you guys probably aren't the best match for each other. <laughs> this probably isn't the best, best, healthiest relationship. But when you're in it, you don't see it the same way because your heart strengths are being pulled. You're thinking about your child if you have children. You're thinking about, you know, well, what will everybody say if we separate? But in my circumstance, there just came a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And so I had to, I had to leave. I had to get out of my circumstance. It, I was feeling to the point where I was fearful. And you shouldn't be afraid of your husband. You shouldn't be afraid of the person that you love. That's, that's not love. The Bible clearly describes what love is supposed to be. And how often do you see people actually striving for what that scripture says? How often do you see a relationship that's not full of jealousy and division? Yeah. You know, one husband, the wife is doing one thing, the husband's doing one, another thing, and they're not coming together. And that was our relationship. We were, we were not the definition of what the Bible says love is supposed to be at that point. We weren't even near it. Yeah. Hmm. So where do you want to go from here? The marriage clearly didn't become a marriage. A marriage is, you know, a merger and a coming together of two, two, two souls, basically, two lives. And the marriage clearly didn't come together. Um, and so I don't know. We have, we have another segment. We're not quite done with this one. We have another segment. Do you want to, where do you want to go from here? 
Um, I can talk about how, what, how, what I had to deal with after I left as a, as a person, as an individual, mm-hmm. what happened to me and what I, what I had to deal with once I left and the recovery process. Okay. Well, we have a few minutes. Um, let's see. Yeah, we haven't even started getting tunes. It looks like I probably still have almost, my goodness, the time all of a sudden just decided to freeze on us. <laughs> Let me interject. <laughs> Let me interject because usually I'm running out of time. You know, I'm forgetting what I'm doing. Let me um, let me just interject some, some, some thoughts here um, in terms of, like I said, the purpose for, for our program is, um, you know, to offer hope, to offer healing. And when I've counseled people, when I've counseled married couples, some of them that were already married, uh, some of them that were wanting to get married, I especially if they're already married and, and they're having problems, you know, I, try, I tell them that, you know, once you go into counseling that, a lot of times things will probably seem worse or get worse before it gets better, but that's usually because you're actually dealing with the real issues. You're finally dealing with the real issues. All the ugliness, all the hurt, all the problems have to be pulled out of the closet. (laughs) They have to be addressed. You've Mm -hmm. got to forgive. You've got to learn the tools to to change, you know, to restructure the relationship. And that takes work. That takes work. So I just want our listeners to understand that this is basically what you're describing. You're describing mm-hmm. what you went through, what you went through, and how, how you came out of it. That's what's going to be coming um, after the break. All right, people. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com. This show's host page Amazon.com and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. 
Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Tugginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Tugginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people. We are... um uh, should I say, Chanel is sharing her personal testimony tonight. I am mostly listening and just uh, prompting her to continue supporting her. And before we went to the break, I did uh, make a comment, and I want to kind of reiterate um, that comment again. And and uh, many times Christians have been taught you know, that once they get saved, you know, once they accept the Lord as their personal Savior, basically they've been taught to act like everything in their life is fine, no matter mm-hmm. what they've gone through, okay? Mm-hmm. They've been taught to act like, okay, now all you need to do is learn how to come to church mm-hmm. and sit in the sit in the, sit in in the church and, you know, hear the message and go home and uh, pay your your offerings and your tithes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and oftentimes they do not know that God cares about your broken heart. God cares about your wounds. You know, that the Lord came not only to provide us salvation, but he also came to bind up the brokenhearted. Okay? And part of the process of healing includes opening up and confessing, confessing our issues, confessing our hurts, confessing our own sins, our own participation in what may have, what may have led to that situation. If, 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 you, if you didn't do anything to cause that situation, still confessing the fact that it hurt you, that it's bothering you, that you're struggling with that area. The Bible says, confess your faults one to the other, that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that is why I advocate for this type of discussion, 
I had to do it. The Lord showed me that I had to do it. I had to be an active participant in my own healing. Mm -hmm. I had to obey when the Spirit of the Lord led me to testify and even talk about my life. I had to be willing to be vulnerable. And I had to do more things than that. But here we are. We're in the last segment of the hour. And Chanel said that we're going to now go into talking about what she had to do after she basically got out of that that situation. Right, because there's 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 so many aspects to this testimony because so many other things happened leading up to this. You know, there was still other women, there was other incidents and but when I finally made the decision to leave, I I left. I left. I was done. It was so bad that I moved across the states. I moved to a whole nother state because I was like, where can I, I, I need to be near my family. I had been separated from my own family for seven years. I was, our relationship had became very isolated. I was very isolated. I didn't hang around my friends as much as I used to. I, um, we lived out in the country, which I, I enjoy that part of it, but we didn't have a circle around us of a, a family dynamic, a genuine family dynamic where we could go for support out, outside of my parents. And so I left, I picked up my child and I was gone within 30 days, but I was speaking to him about these things before we separated. I was like, you know, why don't, why don't we move? You know, I, I, I heard about this opportunity in this state. Um, can I, can I apply for this job? And he would tell me, yes, he would say, yeah, go ahead. And then come back and say, well, I don't want to move there anyways. I don't know what, why you're applying for jobs. So it ended up working out that after I made the decision to leave for the second time, that I ended up getting a job opportunity and transferring to a whole other state. And so once I got there, though, I realized how bad my situation was that I was just in. Mm. It's like you don't see it for yourself until you're not in it every day. Mm. I was walking on pins and needles. I was... Mm. I was, I never knew what was going to happen. So I was always prepared. Okay. Something's going to happen today. And let me just prepare myself just in case. And now I'm in my own apartment. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to, I'm not having to answer anybody. I'm just, I just have to work and take care of my child. But then, but then depression stepped in and I realized I was really down because what had happened to me, I realized that my confidence was shot. Mm. And I, and I'm a, I'm a, a product of my, my, mo- my mother had a modeling company. So I had learned how to have confidence, how to walk with confidence and ho- hold yourself to, you know, to a certain expectation or whatever I had. So I had confidence. I was a, a bold and vibrant type of person before all this happened. But then when it happened, it kind of, it kind of just sucked me into a box mm-hmm. and I was depressed, bad. And I had never lost the weight from my pregnancy. And so I was still heavy. And there were days where I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get up out of the bed. I didn't want to get dressed. I was just, I didn't even want to lift anymore at some point. And my mom would ask me, Chanel, are you, are you, are you having bad thoughts about wanting to kill yourself? And I would tell her, no. Lying. Lying. Because I knew if I told her that, then, then, she, then she would be worried about me. 
but I was so down because I was like, I was embarrassed. I'm like, I'm supposed to be a believer. And this, this is the circumstance that I'm in. Why am I in this situation? Why has this happened? My marriage has ended. This is a death. This is like dealing with somebody dying. Mm. I failed. Mm -hmm. How is that possible? Like I tried to fix it. So I was down and out. Mm. And this went on for a good probably year. Because, because even in this, I'm still dealing with stuff because a divorce is not finalized on paper. We are separated, but then that is its own Job story on its own. So I'm still dealing with the circumstance and trying to keep it afloat because I have a child. And I remember one day I was sitting there and I was just talking to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I cannot do this. I cannot lay in this bed like this. I cannot do this. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help me. And I had always desired to um, want to run a 5K. And my job so happened to have a program, a running training program that they were starting. And I just happened to get an email. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up. I haven't ran. I haven't exercised. I haven't danced in years. I, I haven't done anything. I, but I'm going to sign up for this program. And I was dedicated. We would train a couple days out of the week. And they would time us. And we would run for a short period of time. And then we would stop. And when this was happening, I'm, so, I'm, um, I'm slowly starting to lose weight. I, I slowly started to lose the weight. I had gained um, close to 40 pounds. Um, during the pregnancy, 40, 45 pounds. And a, a lot of people don't realize, too, when you're overweight, depression can happen because of that. I also developed anxiety because of my circumstance. I had I was anxious about everything. Mm -hmm. So I slowly started to lose the weight, and I began to gain my confidence again. And the Lord began to encourage me again, and I start praying. And because I got in shape, an opportunity came for me to be involved in this play that was about Moses. And through that, I met different people and I was able to go to church. I started going to church again. So it was like the Lord totally shifted my circumstance and put me in a different position to where now I'm having to face what happened to me. And there were, there were days even in that, that I would just sit there one day and I would just start crying. Because I, I realized that the devil was trying to steal my joy, mm. trying to steal who I was as a person. And why does the devil do that? Because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not want you to be what God has called you to be. Mm -hmm. Because if you are what God has called you to be, you're a powerhouse on behalf of the Lord. You will go out and fight the fight on, on behalf of the Lord. You'll be the example. You'll be the light in the dark place. And you might help somebody else come to Christ. You might help somebody else come out of their circumstance. The devil doesn't want that. Right. He wants to be the winner. Mm -hmm. But he can't be. Mm -hmm. He can't be. Not when God loves his children and he seeks those that he loves. Mm -hmm. He chases those that he loves. Even in all these circumstances, I still had encounters with the Lord. Despite what I was dealing with, God still knew my heart. He knew my heart. 
And so I just began to seek his face more. When I started going to church, then that opened opportunities. It opened opportunities for me to do mission work. You know, I started reading my Bible consistently. I was reading my Bible like every day. I was fasting once a week. There's one thing, thing about fasting. It controls that your, uh, your flesh. It calms your flesh down and allows you to hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. You have no distractions. So I always tell people, but God, God is the one to help me with my circumstance. He helped me recover. And there are still times where I might have something that triggers a memory or, but it doesn't impact me the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does not impact me the same. I talk, I, I write about that in my second book, Overcoming Sexual Abuse, and the principles can still apply to overcoming any trauma um, that triggers, you know, things. When you have triggers, it's a way of kind of letting you know that there has been healing, but there's more healing um, that's needed, or mm-hmm. that the enemy is trying to reopen that door. Mm-hmm. Ah, and we're out of time. We're out of time. So I, I guess we'll have to figure out what we're going to do next. <laughs> Good night, people. Until next time. Jesus. 